This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, it seems like what's going on down in the United States today has taken on a different tone. Like these latest revelations have opened a a new door. So what's happened is a rough transcript of a phone call back in July shows that U.S. President Donald Trump repeatedly prodded Ukraine's new leader to work with Rudy Giuliani and the U.S. Attorney General to investigate the president's political opponent, Joe Biden. So in the call, uh, the president raised unsubstantiated allegations that the former vice president tried to interfere with a Ukrainian prosecutor's investigation of his son, Hunter Biden. This whole conversation, like you're wondering, where did this come from? How did this come up now? Well, it's actually part of a whistleblower's complaint. And it is this whistleblower's complaint that is really at the center of this formal impeachment inquiry that the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi launched yesterday. That's why you're like, okay, this seems new. Where did this come from? That's where it came from. From. And the connection to Attorney General William Barr also marks a new and potentially more serious issue for the president. So why is all of this so significant? You may have questions about that. I know we do. So we thought we would talk more about this now with the help of our guest. We've got Professor Paul Brace with us, a political scientist. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. So clearly something has changed down in the United States. Does this seem different to you? Well, um, it might be a a tipping point because this incident seems to be so clear, Um, whereas the Mueller report, I think, ultimately was steeped in legalese and nuance. The actions um, conveyed in the whistleblower's alleged report would seem to suggest a very clear overstep by the president of the United States. And okay, so what are the rules here? Like for us in Canada, we look at this and we wonder, why is this so troubling, what has been brought up in this phone call? Um, Well, it's uh, uh, abuse of power, uh, allegedly. Um, The president was using the power of his office, uh, arguably uh, dangling um, much-needed U.S. aid to the Ukraine uh, for a reciprocal um, favor, and he in fact says, I need a favor, and that favor was to reactivate some investigation of Joe Biden's son, um, which had gone dormant, and um, best estimates are there was nothing there. The Obama administration had actually asked for that matter to be investigated, I believe, and nothing ever came of it. But the president was um, interested in that. He seemed to also make reference to Hillary Clinton's email server, which I think the president believed that the Ukraine may have had something to do with. And so the president's clearly seeking political dirt um, on his adversaries' uh, past and or future. Um, And he's using the power of foreign aid allocated by Congress Um, But he was threatening to withhold that, and he had withheld it, I guess, weeks before this phone call um, to to induce uh, the uh, newly elected president of the Ukraine to do him a favor. Does it seem also here like the president was inviting a foreign power to get involved in American politics? Uh, I think indirectly um, by inducing them to uh, 
stage an investigation with the apparent purpose of uh, producing some kind of dirt um, would seem to be uh, enlisting Ukrainian government in American politics. If, if only indirectly. Right. So then what are the next steps here, Paul? Like, what do you expect to see happen now? Well, impeachment clearly laid out in the U.S. Constitution, but the process for impeachment is uh, largely rests on precedent. And the most recent um, um, impeachments have focused largely on the Judiciary Committee. Now, uh, given what the Constitution says, there's no uh, the House is tasked with impeachment, which is like an indictment, and how they come up with a resolution supporting impeachment is left completely open. Nancy Pelosi could walk onto the House floor tomorrow and say, I have a resolution to impeach the president. Let's take a vote. That's not what she'll do, but she could. What will likely occur is largely guided by past practices. I'm thinking of Nixon in 1974, where so much effort was expended by the House Judiciary Committee under Peter Rodino. I believe the House Judiciary Committee played a leading role with the special prosecutor with Bill Clinton. So following past practice, one would imagine the House Judiciary Committee will let now uh, more formally go forward with uh, investigations of this incident and perhaps past incidents in helping the House draw up a resolution of impeachment, which would take 218 votes, a, a simple majority, to pass that resolution. But that's not the end Without, of the world, though, right? Because, well, I mean, Bill Clinton was impeached and he stayed in office. That's right, because the second stage of the process is the trial occurs in the United States Senate. Here the bar is very high on on two levels. One is political. Um, The Republicans control the Senate. And there's no requirement that the Senate actually do anything with a House resolution of impeachment. And it's implied, but let's not forget Mitch McConnell sat on a nomination of the United States Supreme Court after he arbitrarily decided that you can't do it in a presidential election year. He's since said if a vacancy comes forth next year, they will fill it for Donald Trump. So there's no strong rules guiding what Mitch McConnell would do. But if he does accept the resolution and conducts a trial in the Senate, then you have the high political bar of this being a Republican-dominated Senate and an institutional barrier. They have to have a two-thirds majority to convict in the Senate. And given the current numbers in the Senate, that seems unlikely. But we don't know what's in the resolution. We don't know what other things are going to come forward. And it could put some Republicans in a very uncomfortable position to vote against the resolution, depending on what's in it. Right. And then next year being an election year as well. And I understand like this, if you're if you're feeling like the president is beleaguered and has always been criticized and nothing ever comes of it, doesn't this also kind of play into that? Yep, it's managing the narrative. The president's already calling this a witch hunt and expect more of that. Um, And, you know, there's two outcomes here. One, he gets um, impeached in the House, which is bad for him, but he might actually want that because he knows the likelihood of being convicted in the Senate is almost uh, nil given the composition of the Senate. And that would validate him. He uh, He would take that as an exoneration. Um, certainly given that he took the Mueller report as an exoneration, he would take a failure to convict in the Senate as a complete vindication of everything he's done. And um, that would work certainly against Democrats. 
So the stakes are high. Um, how it plays out in an election year is particularly interesting. There are quite a few moderate Republicans up for re-election who may find it difficult to stand by the president throughout this process. On the other hand, if they back away from the president right now, they'll be inviting uh, probably strong primary challenges from staunch Trump supporters who are definitely out there in the country. That's right. And so I wonder, well, it seems to me, looking at this, you wonder, how is the United States government going to get anything done over the next year? Well, I don't know if you've been watching, but we haven't been getting much done in the last year. So um, stay tuned. I mean, there are so many things that need to be done. And the president's already criticizing Pelosi and saying this is going to tie her up. And he has all these grand plans that he wants to get enacted. But because Pelosi's distracted, she won't be able to get anything done. So, yeah, that's factoring in here. Absolutely. Um the president will be in a position to say the do-nothing Democrats are on a witch hunt, which is inhibiting the progress of his uh, agenda. And um, again, it's about managing the narrative. And this president um, knows how to drive a news cycle. Uh, and I was thinking, too, when you put it that way, it also seems like this is a no-win situation for everybody. Well, um, let's hope it's a win for the Constitution. Um because I think, you know, if we stick by the process and the procedures and engage in real fact-finding and accept real facts, which would be really nice if we could get back to the point where we can all agree on what facts are, then move forward on that. And um, all I can say is we would hope for the best and let the facts lie where they, they may and yeah. let's accept facts as facts when we see them. Oh, that's a big if, though, Paul. That's, oh, yeah. If we can agree oh, yeah. on what the facts are. It's a big are. wish. It's a big if and a big wish. <laughs> it certainly is. Listen, Paul, thanks very much for your time on this today. Sure, I enjoyed it. That's Professor Paul Brace, a Rice University political scientist, talking to us about what's happening in the United States today.